is a Wednesday evening. We are set to see a 11-game slate of NBA action. But of course, as always with keeping it 94, somehow, some way, Stephen Curry just decides to light it up. Brian, I'm not kidding you. I think that this guy just knows that we're going to record the day after and decides to just put on a show for everybody. And there he was. I got a message from Steph that said, please do more podcasts because I know I'm going to have a big game the night before. So it really helps knowing that you guys are going to be recording. The yeah. Next you know day. what? I, and Chef Curry, fan of the podcast, friend of the podcast, really appreciate the unanimous MVP a few years back uh, for the support there of keeping it 94. But nine threes, 37 points, seven rebounds, five assists, couple of steals. And a block to boot at Brooklyn. That's a straight beat down. There's not really much to break down other than the Warriors just look like the Warriors again. And I put emphasis on the Warriors because the last two seasons, it was pretty much either Steph and the rest or a bunch of guys just hoping to stay in the league. That was the Warriors. This time around looks like the dynasty version again. You get Andre Guadala back, healthy Draymond, healthy Steph Curry. Andrew Wiggins is playing on a great level. Good bench. Young guys just with this infectious energy. Gary Payton the second, of course. Damian Lee having a great year from the field. You've got those rookies. They don't play that much, but look at Kumenga. You look at Moody. You had a floor spacer like Bayelita, a veteran like Otto Porter. Jordan Poole's having a breakout season. It's all fun. It's all fun over there in the Bay Area. But, damn. Steph, keep doing it, man. Keep doing it. It's been fun. It's amazing what Golden State has been able to do so far this season because, like you said, the, the talent that they have and the way they put it together with an infectious style and it's not just on one end of the court. It's on both ends of the court. You can make the argument that the defense feeds the offense. And you could see how dominant they are on both ends of the court. And just how the game just flows for them from one end of the court to the other. And it just feels like this, this nice ripple that they have going, you know. And they're in total control. I mean, they've only lost two games so far. You can make the argument that they probably should have won both of those games, you know, losing a tight one to the Grizzlies and another tight one to uh, the Hornets. But, I mean, this is as good as we've seen them play in a few years, like you said. And now we get the news that Clay Thompson is practicing five on five. Makes me believe he's going to be back sooner than later. I think the timetable is still Christmas. I would not be surprised if we saw him before Christmas like way before Christmas, well, I know they're going to play it safe and there is no need to rush him back, even if they were playing bad, but they're playing great and they're getting Clay Thompson back. Arguably the second greatest shooter in NBA history. You, and I don't even like to get in the rankings, but I mean, we're, you're talking about one of the all-time great shooters and a fantastic two-way player. 60 on 11 dribbles. Like, That's all you have to remember. And don't forget, too, James Wiseman's still on the mend as well. So they've got guys still working their way back into this place. But 
But the stat that stuck out to me this morning that I read, and Nikias Duncan tweeted this out, Warriors, fifth in the NBA in pace, first in defense. That's not easy to maintain because if you're running up and down the floor, it's not easy to get stops in transition, but this team knows how to do it. They know how to pickpocket you, get and turn it into points, like you were saying. It's deadly. It's just deadly. And I will have the pleasure to see them here in my home city of Cleveland Thursday night. Can't wait for that one. Looking forward to it. How early are you going to show up? Because are you going to get there to watch stuff do the routine? Might have to get there to watch stuff do the routine. Might have to. But you know what? Around here, though, around, he- around these parts, not a lot of fans of stuff. Not a lot of fans of Draymond Green. Clay Thompson probably won't be there. Maybe he makes the trip. But not a lot of fans of, of those guys around here. Andre Guadalla, another mainstay, of course. But right. no, yeah, that, that's going to be fun to watch. Unfortunately uh, for the Cavaliers, they are limping into that game, limping into Brooklyn uh, before uh, that too. But it was a long-winded intro. Sorry to uh, forget the introduction here, <laughs> but I was just, I was just going to bring that so up. I thought I was having a senior I moment. I was so mesmerized by the Warriors and Steph Curry that I just forgot to say, you're listening to keep it at 94. Of course, a part of the basketball news.com podcast network back again, Spencer Davies, Brian Fritz. Now, you know, our names in case you haven't listened to us before. I literally thought I was having a moment and I was going to ask you, did we ever do the intro? That was the intro. Steph just set the world on fire. There you go. <laughs> that's all you need for an introduction all the time Steph Curry is amazing he does it he does it every time though like I feel like it happens every two weeks there's just like this ridiculous performance from Steph Curry and that's my open because I have to talk no, about it no it happens every there week are a couple, there are a couple blowouts other than that last night so there's not really anything else to talk about like I'm not gonna poo poo on the Nets for going on a six game road trip and coming home and facing the best team in the NBA and getting their doors blown off Sure, there's a little bit more pride that's, that has to come with that. But heavy legs, guys, heavy legs. KD is having one of the best seasons in his career. He's leading the, se- he's leading the league in scoring. He is 15th in attempts. Uh, if you go read Moke Mo Hamilton's breakdown of KD's uh, amazing year so far. James Harden, yeah, he's not himself right now. But he's showing signs of progression. They're missing Joe Harris. They've got the right team. They just haven't had the time to mesh and do it against the great teams yet. That's, I think, where a lot of people are getting kind of lost in translation here, looking at, oh my God, the Nets got blown out by the Warriors. Yeah, they did. A lot of other teams are getting blown out by the Warriors too. Like, <laughs> I know that the Nets need to show it against the really, really solid squads, but they're kind of missing their third wheel. And they're missing one of their best shooters, even though he's not having that great of a year. So they're just trying to figure it out and go along. And I think that over time, they're going to get it because KD's too damn good because we've seen James Harden be who James Harden is in the past with this team. It just takes a little while. And there's some other pieces around him that need to kind of step up, Blake Griffin being one of them. You know, Bruce Brown tried to be that guy last night, and I thought he's, his efforts were awesome. But this is a team that just kind of is going to gel. And they don't have this big three that everyone was talking about because one of them's just on the sidelines at the moment. But the Warriors are just that damn good is the point I'm trying to get across. We can make the joke about Steph having a big game before we record, like the day before. 
I think the most impressive thing about that is we don't always record on the same day every week. <laughs> Last week, we recorded on a Tuesday and he went off on a Monday night. This week, we're recording on a Wednesday afternoon and he went off on a Tuesday night. Like I said, he's a friend of the pod. Steph, come on in. Come on in, man. You already, Absolutely you're already, part, he is, you're already man. part of the Rex Chapman podcast last year. Great interview. It was a really, really solid um, breakdown of not only his amazing streak last year and being as good as he was on his MVP tear, but just story time with uh, Rex about, you know, growing up in Charlotte, hanging around Dell all the time. It was just a really good pod. But hey, Steph, you're more than welcome to come on here. Talk, talk, talk hoops Absolutely. because, you know, it's magnetic watching you on the floor, watching three guys go <laughs> darting towards you on the on the perimeter. And then someone opens up for an easy layup uh, on a backdoor cut. Like those are the types of things that that make Steph who Steph is. And not to mention the dude just pulls up whenever he wants to. And there were moments in the last week where he shot the ball and he's just literally staring at the crowd, knowing it's going in. Like there's just an yeah. aura around that guy. And I, I know it's a lot of, of, of homery commentary here on Steph, but it's just, there's no one, there's been no one like him. There's been no one like him uh, in the I, game before. And actually, I, I kind of wanted to bring this up uh, before you, you put your point in there. Isaiah Thomas actually said uh, the other day that Steph Curry reminds me of Mark Price. And Mark Price is someone here in Cleveland who's beloved, who's got his number retired, who is somebody that I faintly remember growing up because I was only, you know, three years old. But I remember seeing the colors, the blue, the orange. Uh, and, and Mark Price uh, was really somebody who got to his spots, pulled up uh, high glass finishes, uh, best, one of the best free throw shooters in NBA history. And kind of set the precedent for that type of play when it wasn't prevalent at the time. Because I am a few years older than you, I do remember watching plenty of Mark Price. And that, that is a very interesting comparison because there's a lot of ways where they are very similar because Price was a shooter. And like you said, get to the spots, the high free throws. I just think that Steph has taken that to like two or three more levels just because of the range how quickly he can get a shot off um, the ways that he gets the spots and running off screens and doing different things like that. Um, that that's what is so impressive when it comes to stuff. And you know, I know some people might get tired of hearing about how great Steph is, or, you know, there's some people that maybe aren't as high in him. We have to keep talking people, about him like, as long as he does this stuff. But, but, but those people are ridiculous because Steph Curry has changed the game. We talk about, you go back to like the 60s and the 70s and how Wilt Chamberlain changed the game of basketball. You can go back to 2000s, the early 2000s, and how Shaq changed the game of basketball. Steph Curry has changed the game of basketball. Look at what he does. Look at how many people growing up emulate that style and what he does because he has taken the game and said, we're going to put importance on shooting, ridiculous shooting from not just three-point range, but beyond that, from 30, from 35, from 40 feet. We're going to make this an art. And it's, not, and it's not even just the shooting, which is the most important part. It's getting off your shot as quick as you do. It's running without the ball, moving without the ball to get to that spot as well, and then chucking it up. Now, there's some aspects of that where people have probably taken it too far when it comes to kids and different things like that. But at the same time, Steph is able to do it. He entertains everybody with it. 
He is a master of it. And his place in the game is undeniable for what he has done and what he continues to do. He has changed the game. He is an NBA champion. He is an all-time great. And he's still in his prime. Still in his prime. And I'm glad you brought up the off-ball stuff because that's the stuff that mesmerizes me the most. He's such a threat from anywhere on the floor that he is just literally pulling any of these defenders towards him, whether it's two guys, three guys, sometimes four guys, just making sure that that dude doesn't get a shot off. And what does that do? That opens things up for Wiggins. That opens things up for a Jordan Poole. That opens things up for whoever's on the floor with him. And defensively, we have to talk about Draymond Green because Draymond Green's the one who sets the damn tone. And I tweeted last night, Draymond Green and basketball IQ go hand in hand. Should be next to it in the picture of the dictionary. He's just so smart, so quick with his reads. He might not have the same athleticism uh, if he had that much athleticism in, you know, in his past, but he just knows the game and can think the game so well. So I look at him. I look at Andre Guadalla. They just know how to commandeer the, the, the team in a way that they're telling guys where to go in their spots. They can make the reads. They know what's coming how to counter things if things aren't going their way. That's so important. And again, that's what makes me think of this team going back to its roots because, you know, now they don't have the quote unquote big three that they had or big four or whatever it was called when KD was there. This team reminds me more. And Steve Kerr was actually asked about this. This team reminds me more of 2014, 15 warriors. That's that. Absolutely. That's it does. And, and there's a bunch of guys that are like are hungry because they weren't a part of that. And they're finding their roles, you know, on this team, which has been. And that's a lot of pressure on those guys, too. But they're probably not. It thinking is. About but it I think right Steph now. makes it so much easier. I, I, I think because there is such a target on Steph and he makes the game so much easier for them with the looks, you know, and Draymond is there and say what you will, because Draymond is a very polarizing guy, as we know. But Draymond makes it easier for everybody because he's going to have your back. Like, he's going to be hard on you, but he's going to have your back, you know? And like you said, you know, he's such a smart player. He's, he's going to find opportunities for everybody. He's going to put his arm around you. He's going to be a mentor. And he's going to help you out every which way he can. So uh, the Warriors just got it going on all cylinders right now, and they're not even at full strength. By the way, getting back to one thing when it comes to Brooklyn, and you brought up the point, which I think is a very good point about, it's not taking anything away from Golden State's impressive win against of Brooklyn on uh, Tuesday night, but you know, the Nets retired coming back from that road trip or whatever. People want to sit here and they want to dissect the net. Like they're going to be just fine. This is a team that the most important thing for them is, are we healthy? And do we have a good chemistry come the playoffs? And yes, there are some things that are off right now. Obviously Kyrie is not with the team and he's probably not going to be there all year. Obviously Harden is rounding into shape. And, you know, they got to get healthy. Joe Harris is banged up and they're trying to get some other people, you know, clicking like they did last year. They're still 10 and five. They're doing just fine. Yeah. They will be just fine. Yeah. The, the game mean, in November, who, we won't remember yeah. when we're in right. April and May. But let's see what, you I mean, there's, there's so much more of the season to go. This is not the team that we are going to see from the Nets come to playoffs. There will be a move or two that is done, whether it's a trade or 
you know, on the buyout market. We got a long way to go. Now, mind you, we are about 15 to 18% of the way into the season. So we've got a pretty good sample size going. Good math. 15, 15 games out of 82 is 15%. No, well, uh, there's some teams that have played less than that. Okay. That's why I say 15%. Okay. <laughs> No, that's not that's not on the teams that have played fifteen games because obviously that's more. I'm trying to make you look. You know, dumb. I <laughs> I know you are. Trust me, I literally pulled out a calculator to make sure I was like looking at the percentages earlier. But I can say we've played a little bit more than a month. Yes. Um. You know, there's diff- different things I could go into, but I mean, we we've got a good sample size because teams have played anywhere between like thirteen to sixteen games. Mm-hmm. You know, so we kind of know we're starting to really get a good handle on where everybody is at. And that will be for something coming up your later in the podcast. Oh, what a tease. Now, what that a we tease. Have, now, now that we have a sample size that oh, will boy. allow us to uh, really give some thoughts on some various things going around the league. I wanted to bring this up too, though, because we talk about, I think the Nets are going to be just fine. All the talk is about the Warriors right now and deservedly so. Once again, though, the team that just kind of under the radar and just riding through Phoenix Suns out there in the desert going, don't even look at us. Don't look. It's a mirage. Don't even look at us. We've won nine in a row. We were the team that went to the NBA finals last year out of the West. Don't, don't even pay attention to us. We love it like this. And they're just, I mean, they're right there behind golden state and they are, I mean, they're the hottest team in the league right now. Yeah. And I mean, before the win on Monday, they were without DeAndre Ayton for five straight games. Shoot, it was basically six right. out of seven. They were without DeAndre Ayton. And they looked just fine. That's why yep. they bring in JaVale McGee. JaVale McGee, big part of this team. Um, especially just from a, a standpoint of having depth. Depth is huge. Um, you just look at... You don't say. You just look at the, the contributions from all over. And that's what makes this team so dangerous. And yes, it's all under the same umbrella with Chris Paul. But Chris Paul's just kind of taking a seat back, being the distributor and letting everybody else cook. It could be somebody different on every night. It could be Devin Booker. It can be Mikel Bridges, uh, Cam Johnson. It can be Frank Kaminsky, who randomly scored 31 points last week in a game. Oh, uh, Frank, like, the tank went off last week in a game. Like, you know, like it, it, the, the point is it could be anybody. Campaign. Campaign's had a couple of games like that this year. But, I mean, you just look at this team. If you look at their team page. There's nothing that really pops out because there's there's no sexiness to any of these numbers. But that's what makes them so dangerous is because it can be anybody any night. They're playing as one collective unit. They're passing the ball around, getting others involved. Again, it's all led by the maestro himself playing well defensively. Nothing's changed about that identity. The, you know, the only thing you can really look at is saying, hey, Jay Crowder, can you shoot a little better? That's about it. Like, they're a good team. There's a reason they went to the Western Conference Finals last year and the finals. So this is what you have going forward. You have the same young core. And there's no one that's really in a bad mood or anything like that. Maybe you thought that would be like that because of the way it started. Devin Booker wasn't off to a great... Uh, you know, clip and you had the DeAndre Ayton, you know, madness going on. Obviously the stuff with Robert Sarver, 
But team-wise, on the floor, looks just fine to me. Looks just fine to me. Now, could they play a little bit tougher of a schedule to this point? Yeah, probably. But they're still getting it done. They're doing it with defense. They're still outscoring their opponents by a decent margin. A little bit better shooting, and this team will be rolling, rolling. But And I think that's just part of like getting the season going yeah. because, yeah, like you said, they got up to a little bit of a slow start, and people are kind of wondering what's going on with Phoenix. you know. But we've seen them kind of kick it into gear here. The schedule will definitely get tougher, as we know. But they're, they're finding themselves. And I, think that, I think the great thing for them is that they're already playing good defense. And I think that's going to probably even get, any, get better. Shooting will come around on that team. I'm really not worried about the shooting of the Phoenix Suns. And, you know, and now they're going to be healthier. Hopefully, you know, they get eaten back, like you said, for missing a handful of games. So, you know, Phoenix is, you know, following up last season right where they left off. You know, they weren't like, I don't, I don't think a lot of people thought this anyway, but they weren't a one hit wonder. Like this is a really good team, you know? And uh, I don't, I don't know how many people really talked about them possibly going back to the NBA finals. And I know we're very early, but Hey, they're right there, you know, at the top of the conference, you know, so far this season as the, you know, and as it should be, it, there's a lot of talk about hangover or whatever like that. And if you look at the Milwaukee bucks, yeah, sure. Maybe a championship hangover, but you got to also talk about, them having injury problems, Chris Middleton not being around, Drew Holiday missing like half of their games to start the year. Like championship hangover thing is real, but at the same time, for a, a group like this in Phoenix that's young and has these veterans that are composed and know what it's like, you, you probably won't get that effect. You probably won't get that effect because there's a hunger. There's an innate hunger there for young guys that tasted it that just want more of the pot. Well, I think they're a professional team, too, and Chris Paul isn't going to let anybody rest on their laurel because he knows, like, hey, man, that, I mean, Chris Paul finally got to the dance. You know, he finally got to the NBA Finals, and he still hasn't won one. He wants his chip, and that dude is not going to let you know, the foot off the gas pedal. You know, he's going to hold everybody uh, to what they need to be doing to, you know, get back to where he wants them to be. And where they all want to be. So I, you've got Chris Paul there. I, I'm, I'm not worried about them kind of easing off because he's going to remind everybody night after night after night. And it's not about, it's not about the regular season from the standpoint of like, we got to win every game, but he's going to make sure everybody's mindset is in the right place. And they're clicking, you know, when the time comes. And you know what? That is actually a really good place for us to bring up our friends there at Price Picks. Because the Suns do play tonight, uh, as we record this on a Wednesday. They take on the Luka Doncic-less Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Unfortunately, Luka out with an ankle injury. He twisted it on Monday night. Everybody hates to see that because Luka is Luka. Uh, But do want to remind you that all users that deposit and use the promo code NEWS on prize picks will receive a 100% instant deposit matched up to $100. $100. So free money, free money guys. Free money. Uh, app.prizepicks.com. It's player props, guys. It's player props. So, what comes to mind to me when the Dallas Mavericks are playing the Phoenix Suns? Well, the Mavs have to score. 
<laughs> the Mavs have to score. Uh, yeah, it's probably going to come from Tim Hardaway Jr., but Kristaps Porzingis is on a roll right now. So uh, I would advise 18 and a half points. I would take that over um, almost uh, easily uh, because one, you're going to see, you know, probably Jay Crowder and Mikel Bridges over on him. Uh, maybe you'll, maybe you'll see a little bit DeAndre Ayton, but he's playing the, the, the four at the moment. So the way that Jason kids have, has things that he'll probably be getting the ball to his hands a lot. So I would advise taking Mr. Porzingis, uh, to get over his 18 and a half points. Another one I liked on here, I, I was kind of scouring the, the site a little bit because I love doing this stuff. <laughs> You can ask Brian. I text him about it all the time. I'm looking here and staring down uh, the Pacers and and uh, Pistons game, and I see Cade Cunningham at 13 and a half. Now, Cade Cunningham's had the ball in his hands a ton uh, over the last four games, and he's really gotten control of that offense, whatever that offense is right now, but Cade Cunningham has control of it. Um, and actually, you can read about that on basketballnews.com as well because Nikias Duncan was talking about Killian Hayes being off the ball and, and succeeding uh, with Cunningham as the lead ball handler. But anyways, I would take over on that point amount, 13.5. So over 18.5 with Kristaps Porzingis, over 13.5 points for Cade Cunningham. And I'm going to also kind of scan the sheet here a little bit on what I like about some other categories. now. <laughs> Ryan got burned on this, I think, last week when we had the perfect three game. We had the perfect three game parlay, and he just had to add in Drew Holiday making over one and a half threes. That did not happen in that game. So it did not. We were watching that intently. 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 So uh, here's what I'm going to do I'm going to actually ride that. I'm going to go ahead and take Kevin Durant with over two and a half three-pointers made. The Cavs, they are banged up, banged up right now. It's probable that Kevin Love will play in the game, but they are missing all of Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, Colin Sexton, Lamar Stevens, and Lowry Markinen. So Isaac Accord is going to have his hands full with both Kevin Durant and James Harden. So let's take over two and a half three-pointers made. On Kevin Durant. Okay. I don't know if you're writing these down. Can I? Uh, I'm actually playing them right now. All right, now. perfect. I'm making the selections. Can I make one? So, uh, I'll throw it off of you because I'll, I'll be honest. I've had some bad luck here lately. <laughs> um, Kyle Kuzma, over six and a half rebounds. Kuzma's averaging close to nine rebounds a game. Yes. And they're playing the Hornet. The, the but, Hornets get up and down, uh, too. So you'll they probably do. see a lot of long rebounds out of that game. Um, I'm kind of staring. Like I, said, I'm, I gotta I'm staring a different one down. If if I can okay. be honest, okay. Please, please because do. this looks like easy money uh, against I an Atlanta team, an Atlanta team that they did just win their last game. But I'm looking at their defense struggling a little bit, mm-hmm. and DeAndre Hunter is out. Uh, for the foreseeable future, unfortunately. So I'm looking at Jason Tatum here and seeing two and a half assists. And I'm taking it over on that. I'll take that over. Okay. So I think I gave you four if you want to repeat them for the audience. Remember, guys, app.prizepicks.com. Promo code NEWS. They will match up to 100% on an instant deposit 
up to $100. That is prize picks. And here's what we have going for Wednesday night. Christoph Brzingis over 18 and a half points. Cade Cunningham over 13 and a half points. Kevin Durant over two and a half three-pointers made. Jason Tatum over two and a half assists. Now, here's the big question. Would you like to, and this is one of the great things that Price Picks offers, would you like to flex pay play? If you get three out of the four, you get one and a half times the amount to win. But if you get all four, you get five times the amount. Or you could power play where you must hit all four. But if you hit, then you get 10 times the amount. Give me the power play, Brian. Play. Give me the power play. You want the go power play? Go, go for it. Go big or go home. Woo, let's do it. I'm placing that entry. That's as in there. That's let's make lot. some money. Let's make some money. That is prize picks. The one guy that has been good, the one guy that has been good for me this year is Cal Kuzma. Okay, that's why I mentioned Kuz. Hey, you know but what? If he gets over six, and I'm not with you because I, if he gets over six I've and a half a rebounds, cold we'll talk about it. Yeah, I've been I've been a little cold lately, so I'm gonna ride you. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let you make the selections and. Uh, you know, uh, see how we do tonight on prize picks and hopefully everybody has a good night as well. Sounds good. Sounds good to me. It sucks. Cause by the time this is probably out, that, that, that bet'll be, uh, well, well boy, the funny thing is everybody can listen to it and we're like, they can even say these guys are geniuses. They they be like, like what, what were they doing? What were they thinking? <laughs> Speaking about what you're thinking, as I talked before and with my great math skills, we were anywhere from like, you know, 15, 20% into the season, whatever, wherever teams are at right now. And like I said, that's a pretty good sample size of where we're at right now when it comes to how we feel about certain teams, how they look so oh, far it's that time. and everything. So so it's a sample size. It's not a lot. I mean, a lot of times you want to wait till maybe 30 or 40 games. But you know what? We're not in that kind of environment. We need things now. We want to react now. So now that we've got about a month of the season, it's time for overreactions. And we're going to react some to some different bold statements and see if you agree with the overreaction or not. Do we, can we put some like vetted music in here and like get some game show music? Cause I feel like we do this at least once a month on this podcast. We can, <laughs> we can absolutely do Come that if you would now. like. I can, uh, oh, don't get me going on that, man. I love that stuff. You, <laughs> it doesn't just have to be that. I mean, if you want, I, I'll, I'll break out some card sharks and some sale of the century. I mean, come on. <laughs> Uh, so let's get going here with some bold statements. Tell me if it's an overreaction or not. We've seen the hot start of the season to the Golden State Warriors. So the Warriors will finish with the best record in the NBA. I'm going to say a tad of an overreaction. Just a tad overreaction. I don't want to go out and on a limb and say this team's going to win 60 games and be at the top of the NBA uh, just yet. I need a few months to make that prediction. Uh, very, very excited to see the Warriors, like I said earlier, getting back to their their roots a little bit. But it's just it's just too early for me, man. And, you know, I, I, I constantly am always seeing Utah at the top of it. That's that, you know, <laughs> that throne. And I see the Suns being there at the top of that throne. Uh, Brooklyn is very dangerous. Chicago looks like an interesting team. So I have to see a little bit more. 
Do you not understand the concept of this? We're trying to overreact or not. But I'm not an overreactionary person. This is why I'm probably going to say. I you're not. Yeah, I'm, no. I'm not either. I'm not either. And I would say, uh, I would agree. Call, call me Mr. Lukewarm take. I, I would wait because here's the thing. As, as good as I think they could get with Clay, I do wonder once Clay comes back and they ease him in, do they lose a couple of games and trying to get him up to speed? There's some different things like that. And then how does the team adjust? And I think at some point they might slow down a little bit, but because I don't think they're going to be on a clip where they're going to win, you know, like 67 to 70 games or anything like that. So they'll slow down a little bit. So we'll see what, uh, who else is going to be as hot as they are and, and keep pace with them. Cool, cool. The next one, the New Orleans Pelicans will miss the NBA playoffs. The Pelicans right now, off to a 2-13 and 13 start, but they get the good news that Zion is starting some uh, physical drills with the team, and it sounds like he could be back sooner than later. As our friend over at Nothing But Bets, Evan Sidery says, hammer that one. Hammer that one. Hammer, hammer it. it. That is not, that is before the not season. an overreaction. Oh, my God. No matter... What kind of season Jonas Valanciunas is having right now? By the way, he's on a 50-40-90 um, pace right now. <laughs> but that team is just all over the place. Um, I feel bad for, for head coach Willie Green because, you know, it's his first year. Um, experiencing a very similar um, introduction to this team as Steven Silas had uh, with the Rockets last year. Uh, not that it's as dramatic. Obviously, James Harden wanted out. Russell Westbrook left, and all that stuff. But the the noise surrounding Zion, the injuries to Brandon Ingram early. He's obviously back now, but it's just this roster is a little interesting to me. And there's a lot of noise around EVP Devin uh, David Griffin. There's just it's just a lot of bad. And when you're in the, the West and you're already 10 games under 500 to start the season, you're playing from behind. And Zion, whenever he comes back, because he's cleared for drills, yes, but how quickly do you get reconditioned? How quickly can you get back onto the floor and really look like Zion Williamson? That's my question. And for me, it'll be too late by that time. And I still think that they're going to finish with a bottom three record in the league. I totally agree. And that, that was like, I think that was my best prediction I gave before the season when I said the Pelicans would not make the playoffs. And oh, part of that was just because of the offseason moves that they made. I think they've made some questionable moves over the last couple of seasons. And then on top of that, the health of Zion, because like you said, you know, even when he does come back and they're going to take their time with it as they should, but I don't know how long it's going to take to ease him back and get his conditioning because we know that his conditioning is bad. He's got to lose some weight. He couldn't work out for a chunk of the offseason, and he's coming back from a foot injury, and this is like the third or fourth lower body injury he's had over the last, you know, three or four years. And, you know, they're not going to rush anything with him. So, and and I don't think even when he gets 100% healthy, that's going to just be an instant fix to that team. I mean, they, they've got problems. So I think that one was a little bit lighter. So let's throw out this one and see if it's an overreaction or not. The Indiana Pacers will not make the playoffs. Overreaction. The Pacers right now, 6-9 and nine and 13th 
in the East. Overreaction. You look at the standings in the East. It's actually, it's, it's really, it looks like the Old West did. They're to the set. Indiana is technically the third worst team in the East, yet they are six and nine. The top of the conference is 10 and three. There is going to be a battle throughout the entire season to get into the playoffs and the play-in in this conference particularly. I like India. I think that there are times where they're not on the same page. Um, but I look at who they have on that floor. I look at Malcolm Brogdon, who is just so good as a facilitator and an all-around player. He's not shooting the best from three right now, but that's okay. Because you have guys like Chris Duarte, a rookie that's pouring in points on a nightly basis. Domas Sabonis, who is also getting really good um, looks inside, whether that's on the block, finding guys that are cutting and putting, you know, you know putting passes on the money out to the perimeter, whatever it may be. Um, you know, Miles Turner has been extremely aggressive this year uh, as an offensive player, a little bit inconsistent at that as he has been for, you know, most of his career, but uh, we know the capabilities that Miles Turner has and looks like there's, they're starting to find a little bit of a, of a good way to use both of them. Um, so that's also something that's on Rick Carlisle. There's been two, three coaches that have tried to figure that out. So it's obviously going to take time. Uh, Karis Levert getting back to himself uh, slowly but surely. TJ McConnell uh, playing a huge role uh, coming off that bench and, and continuing just to be that, that pest and that person that gives the team energy. You know, like, I, I don't think that this is a bad team by any means. And I think that it takes a little time, especially when you have a new system, you have a new coach, to get things on the right track. I think they're a middle-of-the-road team with a bottom-of-the-barrel record. I would agree with that as well. I think it just takes a little bit of time considering what happened last season, and they still got to get healthy. Everybody get on the same page. You've got Rick Carlisle there. I think he's too good of a coach, and they got too much talent to be this kind of a team. And while they struggled early on, I think as the season goes on, I think you're going to see them come together a lot more. And, you know... I don't think they're going to be the third worst team in the East. Somebody has to be, but I don't think it's going to be Indiana. Now, it, it's tough to really kind of say, okay, well, who are the teams that are going to drop? I, I don't know, but I'm just saying from Indiana's standpoint, I look at them and I just, there, there's too much going on there, I think, for them not to be better than the start they've gotten off. And, and, this is and I'm, I'm still... Still believe it. And the, the second part of that, too, is just looking at some of the teams around them. I'm looking at Atlanta in specific with DeAndre Hunter's injury, their defensive issues, their kind of uh, lack of enthusiasm for the regular season. Can that come back and bite them? You know, that's one thing I'm looking at. Can Charlotte be consistent? Because they go out and lose. I think it was they lost five straight and then they won three in a row like they've been very Jekyll and Heidi this year um Cleveland obviously has its issues with the injuries so does that sink them uh Boston I don't know what Boston is you know so that's why I can't put the Pacers out of this picture 
the Wizards right now are currently the top team in the East with a 10 and three record. So here's your overreaction or not. The Wizards will finish as a top four team in the East. That's tough to do. That's tough to do. Uh, I'll say that they finish fifth. I'll say that they finish fifth. I have them in the playoffs. I believe if you look back at our conversation from the beginning of the season that I had them in the playoffs. You said they would be in. I'm the knucklehead that did not believe in them yet. And and yet pick the Kings. I just just love keep going back to that. But (laughs) um, I think Mm -hmm. that the Wizards just are playing with such a toughness and a grit. Uh, And I'll save you the soapbox because I've talked about it up and down already. I've actually written about it. If you go to basketballnews.com, I was talking in depth with Kyle Kuzma and with Wes Unsell Jr. about what they've brought from that trade and just the character that they've instilled into this team. And you add Spencer Dinwiddie and you add, you know, a, a tough defender off the bench like an Aaron Holiday. This is a team that really is coming together a lot quicker than a lot of people had anticipated. That's what makes them dangerous right now because they're still in that mode where they're trying to figure things out, but they're getting wins along the way. And they're just tough. They know how to do things the right way. Uh, Bradley Beal is actually off to one of his worst starts of his career, and yet they're still winning because they're defending the hell out of everybody. Their perimeter defense is just connected. They love the schemes. And they just know how to make shots when it counts, whenever they are in these close games. So love the Wizards. Again, go read that on basketballnews.com. I wrote that article uh, a few days ago. I was going to bring up that point about Beal because he has not gotten off to a strong start. But you look at this team. They're deep. They have professionals that have been there, you know, that have played in big games, that have won titles. They know their role. and like And the chemistry has come together so much quicker than I think anybody expected. And that's why they've gotten off to this great start. You know, and then I look at Bradley Beal who had to miss a couple of games, unfortunately, because of his, of the passing of his grandmother and the team still played really good. They rallied, you know I mean? Just a bunch of guys that understand their role. They came back from 19 down against new Orleans. I believe that was right. I, I think a big part of that, you know, we could sit here, and give all the credit in the world to, you know, guys like KCP and Kuzma who play such great defense. I think uh, Montrez Harrell with, you know, the energy that he brings, like he typically does during the regular season, at least, and we get the chance. But the guy that's really stirring the pot to me is Spencer Dinwiddie, because this guy has just brought so much to the table um, to have a floor leader like him and a guy with so much smarts. And he really just kind of keeps everybody together. and understands when to get the ball to somebody, uh, where to get the ball to somebody. He has control of the offense. It's, it's Bradley Beal's team from a superstar aspect. But when you talk about like who's really running the team, it's Dinwiddie. And I, I love uh, as well, as I forgot to mention, Denny Avdia becoming one of the better perimeter defenders in the league too. That's something that probably a lot of people didn't see coming, but he's doing a hell of a job. Uh, and there is film on that that I'm sure you can find if you scurry the internet. So on that same note, Chicago Bulls are off to a 10-4 and four start. The Chicago Bulls will finish as a top-five team in the East. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's not an overreaction. Um, it's clear as day 
that I was super, super wrong about um, DeMar's offensive fit uh, as well as their defense. Yeah, they don't have a rim protector, but if you can't get to the rim, then uh, you don't really need one. (laughs) Uh, I think that Caruso has done such a tremendous job. Uh, Lonzo Ball, those two obviously know each other. Um, I think that DeMar is playing at an all-NBA level right now. He is just in some kind of zone. I was watching that game against the Lakers. Just seeing the, you know, the, the stop on a dime footwork, turn around Jay over the outstretched arm of Anthony Davis, uh, pouring in a couple of threes, which is something that he's not used to doing, uh, getting to the hole, even trying to you know, stick his hands in there for some deflections to get some steals. Uh, DeMar is just really putting, let me ask you this when it comes him. to DeMar is, is do you think that he's off to this incredible start because it's him trying to show the league, you know, who doubted him? Like, this is what I look at all what I have left. Or is this something that just because of San Antonio system, he wasn't allowed to do some of this? Stuff? No, no, I, I think, I actually thought that he was one of the better players in the league when he was in San Antonio and that people just didn't notice because they weren't the Spurs of yesteryear. Like, I think that DeMar became such a... DeMar really became a complete player his last year in Toronto. And then that's when the Spurs went out and got him in the trade for Kawhi. That's when I think that he started to really make a give a good feel of what kind of playmaker he could turn into. Um, obviously the playmaking duties are a little bit more spread out on this Bulls team. Lonzo's getting a lot of assists. Zach Levine's getting a lot of assists. DeMar's kind of become option number one in a way. Um, but I don't think that San Antonio was holding him back in that regard. I just think that this is just a perfect situation for him. He, he just looks so fresh and... He looks comfortable and invigorated with this system. And you look at that team, especially when it comes down to crunch time. We know what their five guys are going to be once they get Vooch back. We know that their five is going to be DeRozan, Zach Levine, Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso. Mm -hmm. And you say what you want about Caruso, but I mean, he fits in there so perfectly in just in defense. And the thing is about those four guys, too is they can switch so much on defense. It's incredible. Because you can sit there and go, oh, Alex Caruso is that big of a guy. Yeah, but you know what? He's going to stand up that dude if he gets a switch, and he's going to make it tough for him. And, and same with Lonzo. They're active. This team runs. They're, they're just, they're a ball of energy. They're all over the I love place. I love their and transition like game. Their transition game. Yeah. Like if they get, they poke the steal away, and then you're looking at Lonzo finding gone. Zach Levine from three-quarters court. Like that's fun. Yeah, absolutely. And you, and just like the wizards, their chemistry has come together so quickly, which I think is something that surprised everybody. Cause you, you think with so many different parts, it's like, it's going to take a while for everybody to kind of come together. They've come together immediately. And I, I don't think that this is, you know, just an aberration, you know, something that, you know, to start the season, I think, this is a really, really good team. I was wrong about them because I thought it would take longer. I was questioning the defense. The defense has been there, and I definitely think they're going to be 
top four, worst top five team in the East come the end of the and season. And I love, you know, Javante Green stepping up to the plate as these these guys are out. I love Derek Jones Jr. stepping up to the plate when these guys are out. Derek Jones Jr. being used so well by Billy Donovan. Not just sticking him in a corner and hoping that he makes a couple of threes like what happened in Portland. He's actually being active. They're making him cut. They're putting him in the dunker spot. He's able to get blocks. He's able to go up and dunk the ball, as we all know he can. He's being used in a very good way right now. Um, I think that he's an underrated part of this team right now and fits fits really well. Um, Ayo Desunmu, rookie out of Illinois, playing for his hometown team. Playing some big minutes. It's not like he's, you know, averaging like 30 minutes a game, but like he's coming in and making an impact and being the scorer that we know he can be, um, you know, getting a, an important bucket here and there, making a big play. That's all it takes. That's all it takes for this type of team that's so loaded up up top. Um, and again, it just it, it's come together so well. Tony Bradley's come in, um, you know, for some spot starts here and there. But I mean, they're not even at full health yet. And I think that uh, it says a lot about this team that the, the way that they're off to this start. And again, such a surprise to me defensively. Uh, maybe it comes back to bite them uh, for not having a, a true rim protector, but these perimeter defenders are uh, something else. So in the West, the Clippers are up to a nine and five start. The Lakers are up to an eight and seven start. The Clippers will finish the regular season with a better record than the Lakers. Before I give you this answer, can I just say, and I don't want to humble brag things or anything like that, but I've been a Paul George advocate for quite some time. Quite some time. He was getting so much flack just a little over, you know, a year ago in the bubble. Just so much flack. He came out last season and showed what he's capable of, but he was still the second wheel to Kawhi Leonard. We have seen a different version of PG since the second round of those playoffs. We have seen a different version of PG. This is Indiana PG. This is the guy that refuses to go down. This is a guy that is one of the most dangerous two-way players in the league. Can get it going whenever he wants to. Can get others involved. Is attacking the rim. That was the thing that was missing the most when he was in the bubble. He wasn't getting it and putting it on the floor. And then what does that do? That opens up the three-point shot. Lo and behold, he's taking so many threes, but he's also getting shots at the rim. And he's getting to the bucket. I think... First option PG is underappreciated. I think PG is is such a worldly player. And the fact that he's doing this, you know, after all those struggles, we know about how long ago the leg injury and stuff like that. But still, to just like be doing it and to have the impact he has when this Clippers team got off to a slow start, they still don't get get off to great starts and first quarters Ty Lue's actually talked about that but for this type of team to be nine and five says a lot about PG and that's no slight to guys like Terrence Mann and Ivica Zubat they're very talented but this is a team that does not have the same amount of of talent as it's had in the past Uh, it's a team that's not had Marcus Morris to this point Serge Ibaka is down in the G League on rehab assignment right now you know, Eric Bledsoe, you know, 
God love him. He's actually having a decent season so far. But this isn't the level of talent that they've had in the past, at least on the Clippers. And what PG's doing, what Reggie Jackson's been bouncing back. Um, I like him. I like, I like this, like, we're still fighting version of the Clippers. You know, we're still fighting. Just because we're not a championship contender uh, doesn't mean that we're going to just fall and, you know, just go by the wayside. They're defending their asses off. They're moving the they're moving the ball. I think they're fun. And to your point, uh, to your question, I should say, should say, uh, with the Lakers and the Clippers about regular season record. Oh, I'm gonna say that's not an overreaction. <laughs> from from I don't blame you what I've that seen too. on this Lakers team, and you've. You went yes. on a 10 to 12 minute rant on them last week. I know that. Uh, so I was in a zone. I didn't even realize I went. You that did. Long. You did. And, you know, I gave you the floor and you took full advantage of it. But just from my observations. It, it, and it's, it's November. It's so hard to tell when it's November. You know, you just got THT back. He could be a really huge piece to this team. Right. But, but here's the thing. Like, they're going to get LeBron back. It sounds like he's going to come back on Friday against Boston. And, you know, they, they've been without him for a little while. That being said, this is a team that has gotten off to an 8-7 and seven start with an incredibly easy schedule. That was going to be my point. mostly at home, mostly at the soon-to-be-called Crypto.com Center. And now they're getting ready to embark on a five-game road trip out east that starts actually tonight in Milwaukee. Um, and Milwaukee, you know, has gotten off to a slow start, but I mean, who's worried about that? I mean, yeah, they're, they're six and eight. Okay. When they get healthy, they're going to go on a run at some point in the season. Okay. They're, they're going to be just fine. But when it comes to the Lakers, man, they don't play defense. They don't run. Take ill-advised shots. Um, They can't play third quarters. The third quarter is an abomination. Um, and the way that they give away games in the third quarter, they, I mean, it's not like just one thing you can put your finger on. There's a lot of, and he's been ripping them in the media <laughs> last game and, and two games before be. that. Well, well, even in, like in the last game, like they, they don't even get AD the ball in the right spot. I mean, how bad is it? And I'm not using this as a rip on Frank Vogel because I think Frank is a really good coach. Well, when the bulls are like, doubling uh, AD and they're coming from all these different, you know, directions and angles. And Frank Vogel flat out says in the post game, like, Oh, the bulls are doubling AD in ways we had never seen. It's because the team doesn't move the ball. Mm -hmm. There's, there's so many different things. Like I said, like when you watch these other teams, when we talk about like the bulls, and the Wizards, it's team building depth, professionals, guys understand the role. They move the ball, they play hard, they run. You don't see any of that with the Lakers. You just don't. They don't move the ball on offense. They don't get the balls to the guys uh, like AD in the right spots, even though he's been putting up some numbers as of late. But, like, he can be getting the ball in, in better spots, I think, on a regular basis. They don't make the extra pass. They don't move without the ball. They don't cut through the lane. They don't run to get easy opportunities. There's just a lot of different things that this team has got to change and I don't see it changing. It's a lot of don'ts. 
Exactly. There's, it, it stacks up and you sit there and go, well, there's LeBron and there's AD. And it's like, yeah, but you're just, you know, it's not like the LeBron of 10 years ago. I mean, he's still a very good player. But back then, this is a dude that would just wheel his way into making things happen. And you still have to have, you know, enough of a roster around you. That fits together. It's not like the Lakers aren't talented. There's also a, a component where you have to fit. It has to work. There has to be some chemistry. And you don't see any of that as of right now with that team. And I don't think that's going to change. Okay, let's rip through a couple other ones here. Just a couple of fun ones. So we know that uh, Nikola Jokic, MVP last year, the Nuggets are without two, their other two-star players so far, and Jamal Murray, and uh, now Michael Porter Jr. has been missing some games with his back injury. The Nuggets are 9-5, and five, but Jokic is putting up monster numbers again. So is it an overreaction to say that Jokic is going to repeat as MVP? Well, I... It's going to depend on where they finish, too, in the standings. Um, I think that you saw two leading candidates for MVP last night uh, with KD and Steph Curry. I know KD didn't have a great game, but uh, as Moe Hamilton wrote, he's averaging career highs in percentages um, pretty much across the board. Steph obviously has to be in that conversation uh, the way that he's been playing. Jokic. I think there's a guy in Milwaukee that kind of. Oh yeah, that was my preseason pick. Um, yeah, he needs to stop pulling. My he team. needs to stop pulling up. We, we were talking about, oh, what if he adds that to his game and got tricked again? He needs to stop pulling up for shots. <laughs> but uh, with Jokic, and, and I'm not going to go too far into this, but Nikias Duncan did a great job uh, detailing how amazing he's been this season. Um, and it's not even particular just on the offensive end; it's on the defensive end too where he's getting um, unnoticed uh, in that category. So I implore you guys to also read that on basketballnews.com. I know I'm plugging basketballnews.com out of the wazoo right now, but we got a lot of great content. Um, that was a tremendous article in, in showing how much he's improved as a defender, which is the other level of Jokic that can be unlocked yet. And uh, yeah, the, you know, the <laughs> altercation with Markeith Morris wasn't great. Uh, but both men seem to be all right. And um, we're having the wrong conversation. We're having the wrong conversation. And even when you look at his offensive numbers, you're like, damn, yeah, that's still good. But you had that defensive part of it together, and it's a whole other realm of possibilities. 26-14-6 and six with a 35 PER. And he's missing, you know, two of the, the other two biggest names on the team. And he's still carrying them. I mean, to where they're nine and five. so. I would say that I, I don't think he's going to repeat as an MVP, but I think it's going to be closer than some people would have imagined because even before last season, he was seen as really good player, but not an MVP. And then he has an MVP season. And I know some people say, well, that's because of, and you want to make excuses about, you know, certain players or whatnot, but he earned that MVP. And, um, but I, I, I do agree that I think it's going to be a lot of, um, where the Nuggets finish. And I think that could probably be the biggest problem. So when it comes to MVP and your love of Paul George and the numbers that Paul George has put up so far this season, Paul George will finish in the top three of MVP voting. Ooh. Overreaction or not? Three. Three, three, three. 
I'll say that's an overreaction. I'll say he'll finish top five. Okay. I would agree because I think, I think Steph is, is going to be there. Is, I think Giannis is going to be real there. real tough. Well, when you've you got Jokic, Durant you and Giannis Donchich, and Curry. I'm looking at Jimmy Butler the way he's been playing this year when he's been healthy. Like, there's a lot. There, there, there's a, a, a wide net that's being cast. Giannis, we don't even mention Giannis. Like, that's what I'm saying. When you've got the big names and you've got Giannis, Durant, and Curry, that makes it really, really tough. Very difficult. Really tough. Uh, how about this one? DeMar DeRozan will finish ahead of Trey Young in scoring. DeMar DeRozan, so far through 14 games, is averaging 26.9 points per game. Trey Young, through 15 games, is averaging 25.5 points per game. We know about the rule changes and how that's affected Trey's game, even though you will say it really hasn't. And we know that the Hawks are struggling early on this season. And DeMar and the Bulls have gotten off to a hot start. Overreaction. Overreaction. I think Trey is going to turn it up another notch with DeAndre Hunter being out. Uh, that's also going to come from John Collins, yeah, but I think that offensively, it won't be an issue for him. And uh, you make a great point about the free throw attempts. He's shooting three less free throws a game. Um, but and uh, the same thing, too, applies with, with DeMar because I think the Bulls are going to be one of those team-wide success stories, kind of like the Suns, where one guy's not just sticking out. Um, so I could see DeMar averaging 25 a game instead of the 27 that he's at right now. Um, whereas the Hawks are going to need to rely on Trey Young to stay afloat. So that's why uh, I would pick Trey over DeMar in a season-wide lens uh, in the points per game department. And let me throw one more out there. Since we're always talking about who is, um, who is the coach that's on fire, <laughs> You know, who's under, you know, coach is uh, on fire. Under a lot of stress, shall we say? He's got a fire so under the Usually seat. it's a hot seat, but th th this coach is actually just has some kerosene poured onto him, light a match. Basically. <laughs> yeah. So will Luke Walton be the head coach of the Sacramento Kings following the All Star game? Oh, no. No, no. That's that. I mean, I don't really know how to phrase that. That's not an overreaction if that's what you want it, though. Um, yeah, no. That's a that's a zero percent chance in my eyes. Um, I don't think. Yeah, because there's already been some talk about that, and like they've kind of maybe I wouldn't say right the ship, but they played a little bit better, you know, this past yeah, week. No, but that's and it's not, not like they're like that bad of a team. It's just to me, the the Buddy Heald issues are going back two three years now. Marvin Bagley is refusing to check in the games, you know. Things, those issues pile up here's easily. The, yeah. But here's the question I have. If you felt this way about Luke. Why would you bring him back? Right. Why didn't you make the move in the offseason? I don't know. That's something you asked Vivek, and that's something you asked Monty McNair. That's their. And, and by the way, after all the talk about trading Buddy this offseason to the Lakers. By the way, and Buddy, that deal not going Buddy down. coming off picks this year and shooting his ass off. Yeah. He looks great. He does, but you know what we could say, but that being said, if they were willing to move buddy in that package and seem like we're, we're done with him, then why didn't they trade him to somebody else? Yeah. 
Don't ask questions you don't know the answer to and they don't know the answer to. You can't tell me that there wasn't other teams interested in Buddy Kangs. Kangs. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. Hey, you, you know? were talking about the Ben Simmons thing up and down and up and down and up and down. Just saying. Hey, man, teams can always use shooters. By the way, one last thing. Um, I do love that now when people want to uh, uh, besmirch the Lakers, and, and rightfully so this season for everything they've done, it's not just, oh, they turned down the Buddy Heald deal, which possibly could have been the better off-season trade. No, 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 no. They also had a deal done for DeRozan, who wanted to come home to L.A., and he thought it was a done deal. And then the Lakers decided to go in a different direction. Also detailed by Alex Kennedy of BasketballNews.com. Yes, and we've seen how that has turned out. So it's not just one possible uh, mistake when it came to an off-season trade the Lakers made. No, it's at least two. And I would say it's three because I will still lay claim that even though Lonzo Ball to Chicago may have been done in the 2020 offseason, and we'll find that out soon with the probe that's going on. Um, that's my little joke there because it looks like that was done, you know, well in advance. Kyle Lowry is also being probed. I, yes. I still wonder if the Lakers could have gotten Lonzo because here's the other thing. I mean, not only, obviously, Lonzo was drafted there and he's a West Coast guy and all those different things. And we've seen his game improve. But remember during the offseason, there was some nice messages going back and forth on Instagram between Lonzo and LeBron. You know, Bron was talking about, yo, Zoe, keep it up. You're my guy, blah, blah, blah. I mean, they didn't get much for Lonzo Ball. That could have been, to me, that could have been a direction it could have gone because that backcourt in Chicago could be the backcourt in LA right now. But they went in a different a much, much bigger direction. Irony. Irony. A couple of things before we get out of here. Uh, things on the injury front. I already mentioned it, but Luka Doncic, he's got a ankle injury. Um, came down on it funny on Monday. Uh, rookie of the year frontrunner Evan Mobley unfortunately got tangled up with Ennis Cantor when I was in attendance on Monday. Uh, we were wondering where the hell he was at the whole time. Uh, we didn't get an update until later that evening, but it's a sprained elbow, um, which if you're a Cavs fan and if you're a fan of NBA in general, uh, best case scenario there, I think. Uh, but he'll be out from two to four weeks with that sprained Are elbow. Are you banned from going to games? I don't think I'm banned from going to games. Okay, good. Yeah. No, I, I, I think I wouldn't put that on me. <laughs> but okay. uh, just want to make yeah, sure. No, Evans. Down for the Cavs. They're down Colin Sexton. They're down Jared Allen, who's been feeling sick, non-COVID related, apparently. Lowry Markinen still reconditioning. He was back at practice. So was Kevin Love. Kevin Love, probable to go uh, against Brooklyn on Wednesday night. Uh, Lamar Stevens is out. So they've got a laundry list of problems. And uh, all those good vibes, a lot of people here around Cleveland, especially with the way that the local football team is going, are panicking. So uh, it's one of those we can't have nice things in Cleveland uh, type of deals. So we'll see where that goes. Hopefully, uh, Mobley is a speedy recovery. Same for Luka Doncic, but uh, a few injuries uh, of note there uh, before we get out of here. Okay. So that was Keeping It 94 with Spencer Davies and Brian Fritz. Yes, I talked in third person, believe it or not. 
I am on Twitter at Spin Davies. I'm on Instagram at Spin Davies. Brian is on Twitter at Brian Fritz. He is on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. Of course, this is brought to you by the basketballnews.com podcast network. That other great podcast for you to listen to. The Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr. New episodes every Tuesday and Friday. The Alex Kennedy Podcast with Alex Kennedy. Coming back this week with Impact Training's Joe Abunasar. Definitely going to want to listen to that one. The rematch with Aton Thomas. He just had Gilbert Arenas on last week, so got to listen to that one. We've got Dishes and Dimes with the ladies back again after an absence over the summer, so we're lucky to have them back. And, of course, the newest podcast on basketballnews.com, Nothing But Bets, which is a daily gambling podcast hosted by Evan Sidery. So make sure you subscribe, rate, review, leave a comment. Do all of those things for us, whether you listen to us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to us. Please just leave a review, leave a comment. We would love to interact with you, talk to you, blow this podcast up because me and Brian just like talking about basketball, not about our crappy football teams. It stinks. It really stinks. But that's it for us here on Keeping It in 94. So enjoy your night, and hopefully we will talk to you on the next episode and have some good stuff to talk about. See you.